sometime. Welcome back to Fantastic Minute, the only show on the internet that talks about Wes Anderson's 2009 stop-motion animated feature, which was nominated for Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards, TM, Fantastic Mr. Fox, directed by Wes Anderson, released in 2009. The show that you're listening to right now, though, however, is Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute, the show that analyzes Fantastic Mr. Fox the film one minute at a time. I'm Tyler Boudreau, one of the hosts. I'm Condra, and I'm very concerned. You're looking at me very intensely, and this is a lot. Well, I'm talking to you. I should make eye contact, should I not? You're just, like, overemphasizing things, and you got really complicated there, and it's too early for this. I love some syntactical complexity. Well, you said though and however, like one after the other and you only need one fair enough i will not claim to be perfect minute 74 minute 74 is what we're on which begins with ash chuckling and it ends with our heroes riding off into the proverbial sunset i don't remember if it's actually sunset or not i think it's just kind of it's getting towards it's getting towards dark like mid-afternoon yeah so uh yeah so just from the last minute we have pdl running around not pd bean be- Spitz is chasing all of the farmers and their associates. Goon. Posse, as Goons. it were. Goons. That's a good one. Um, Spitz the rabid dog is chasing them all around. He just knocked over Petey. And then we kind of cut back to Ash sitting in the hole he he dug. Kind of just chuckling like, that worked really well. <laughs> He's so proud of him and I'm so proud of him. He's done such a good job. And honestly, like, what Mr. Fox says, or like a little later in the minute, that Ash displays pure animal... Pure wild animal craziness. Yeah. It's true, but it's also just, it's so clever. When, when was the last, like, what's your favorite example of you witnessing actual pure wild animal craziness? Oh, God. IRL? Yeah, IRL. I was like, what? I was thinking of our cats, but they're not wild animals. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I've ever re- like recently. Like nothing comes to mind, because um, even the like zoos I've been to in the last couple of years, those are partially domestic. Like they're not. Yeah, true the only wild thing I animal. can think of is like college squirrels. Because <laughs> that that is yeah. pure wild animal craziness. <laughs> yeah, I had one um, at my undergrad that. I was, like, walking down the path one day, and there was just this squirrel sitting on this bench with, like, a cigarette hanging out of its mouth, and I was like, (laughs) win. I think I had the same thing, but he was sitting in a trash can, like, opening with a french fry, (laughs) but like a cigarette. And I was like, I should take a picture of that, but I don't usually take pictures of things, so I didn't. And then I was like, dang. Yeah, but I mean... Sometimes they just hop right into trash cans or, like, right out of trash cans. You're like, whoa, (laughs) there's a squirrel there. Yeah, it's squirrels are weird, <laughs> and I think seagulls too. Like down at the beach and stuff, they can get pretty nutty and like their dive bombing and audacity of. Yeah, we interact a lot less with wild animals than we think. Suburbia. All right, so then we cut to, cut to uh, Spitz chasing Bean around in that POV shot that we had previously had of Spitz Spitz chasing Mr. Fox around, except this time it's Bean. So oh, how the turns have tabled. Yes. Uh, it's funny that they do use the same shot to show, like, Spitz being the true enemy here. (laughs) 
It's like, out of anyone in this movie, yeah, Bean is scary, but Spitz, he's the one that is truly a threat in this film. Well, it's kind of the uh, the dichotomy of villains, and, and that's part of the theme of the movie, is that, like, so the Fox and them are trying to be wild animals, but they're also trying to be decent people. And then Bean, like, Bean and the farmers are, like, actual civilization as we know it. But they're evil. And Spitz, who's rabid, is the the most wild animal, and he's evil. So is there a balance in between that fox and the critters are trying to achieve where they're living like civilized people and wild animals, and kind of the dangers of the dichotomy of either? So, like, if you stray too far into one, then you become corrupt. If you stray too far into one, you're just a pure wild animal. The rat would be an example of one who's strayed too far into the corruption, and then... The wild animal thing is Spitz. That's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Spitz, like, especially in this minute, he is just so intense and his eyes are still red. They're not the full red that we saw yeah, earlier. They're not, red, but the, they're not red orbs, but they have his red irises. Yeah, the still. irises are red. And he, like, goes for the throat. And honestly, like, so as he's chasing Bean around, Bean stops at one point and slightly turns around, which is dumb. Like, you're being chased by a rabid dog. Don't stop. But he... He's got a gun in his hand. He it's might also have been turning around dog. to try to shoot at it, But though. it's also his dog, so he might not want to shoot it. Um, excuse me. I've read slash heard of Old Yeller. Yeah. There's only one option sometimes. That is true. Don't cry anyone listening to this that has actually read slash watched Old Yeller. I've never... I don't like dog that's books. The one, that's the one where the dog has rabies and they have to kill it, right? I thought that was where the red fern grows. No, where the red fern grows is where there's two dogs and they they hunt. Oh, and then the the cougar attacks one and its intestines all fall out. Yeah. That was the only part of that And then the other one dies of sadness. Yeah. That was the only part of that book that I liked. I did not like that book. We read it in like sixth grade and yeah. I thought it was really boring except for like the cougar attacking bit. And that's when I realized I read like a 10-year-old boy and I still read. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, you I like mean, the, like. those plots. Um, or is it Sounder? Or Shiloh? There are so many dog not, books. I'm pretty sure it's Old Yeller. Okay. It could be Sounder, though. I definitely read Sounder when I was trying to read through all the Newbery Award winners. I'm pretty sure it's Old Yeller. Oh, I... Is, I... is Old Yeller supposed to be sound like Old Yellow? He but, is a yellow lab. Yeah, so it's it's supposed to be. It's not that he yells. It's yeah. that he's yellow and yeah, people say yellow. Yeah, accent. Yeah, it's like that. I think I knew that, but I just remembered it. <laughs> this is a fun minute. There's so many things we need to talk about this minute. We're talking about old yeller right now. Yeah. So Spitz is chasing Bean, and he goes for the throat. Yeah. Unfortunately, Bean is wearing the necktie, and like. Spitz still has the fox scent in his, like, attack mode because he attacked the tie and not Bean's throat. Yeah. Or maybe Bean had just leaned back and, like, that was what Spitz had gotten a hold of on him. Nah. He lunges like he is trajectory towards his throat but stops short at the tie. And he, like, stops makes eye contact with Bean for a second with the tail in his mouth and then aggressively shakes and like I saw it as like a yeah I'm gonna do this to you next if you don't get out of the way (laughs) and it's just it's so Spitz is so scary
scary and I would like rabies is really scary and I really don't understand it I've encountered like a rabid raccoon in my life but like not close enough where I've needed shots or anything yeah but I think it's something that I don't know much about and which is why I think it's so scary ah yes the fear of the unknown <laughs> hey uh, so there's a little lull on the music while spits tears the tail to shreds but then there's in the kind of hit the hit before the music kicks back in the the chorus kicks back in there's like a beat that hits and on that beat fox reacts to the tail and his like eyes bug out he's like what yeah fox's eyes bug out a lot is it one of those things where if they bug out too much will they stay like that forever or if he sneezes will they fall out yep yeah yes that how that works Uh cool Okay, so the next thing that happens is kind of uh, Boggus, Bunsen, Bean are all kind of standing there, and Spitz is about to, like, go at them again, but they all jump up on this... uh, Roof. Roof. It's like a... It surrounds the inner courtyard of the complex. Yeah. And it just covers, like, the edges of the walls, so they can have some storage space. I don't know if there's a technical term for it, but it's It's just... It's just some metal roofing that lines the, the complex. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so what's an interesting thing in this minute is, like, watching the way all of the farmers jump up there. Because it's a pretty tall roof. It's about six, seven feet tall. Probably, yeah. It's taller than Bean. Yeah. And then, and but Bean makes it up w- with just his legs. Like He, like, pulls, like, a Jack Skellington onto a gravestone kind of thing where, it, like, he has, like, really long anime legs in that minute. It, like, in that moment and just, like, leaps. Yeah, so imagine there's a f- fence that's six feet tall. And with you are six feet tall, you take the heel of your leg and put it on the top of the fence. Yes. That's physically impossible. But for an exaggerated moment like this, it's okay. And then Bunce, who's the little one. Yeah. He's the short one. Yeah. He has quite the vertical. He just like jumps and makes it. And I'm like, man, I wish I had that vertical. So yeah. So the fence, the, the, the roof is about twice the height of Bunce. And he manages to like grab it and then climb up onto it and i mean having a vertical that's about twice your height that's that's, that's really good and bogus also gets himself up he somehow managed yeah. to lift himself. bogus bogus is the most normal one where he just like grabs onto it yeah. relatively easily and then climbs up he lifts himself and yeah. i think that's the impressive part with him because he is so large like he has a really good upper body strength he must do chin-ups not only does he eat 12 chickens a day he does chin-ups he does 12 chin-ups a day Probably more than 12. But it's one of those things, we're talking about good athletes in this minute, and like uh-huh. Ash being a good athlete, and Bogus Bunsen Bean definitely shows some athleticism in this minute. Yeah, so then we cut back to our critters, Fox, Kylie, Ash, and Christopherson, who have now made it to the motorbike, and there's kind of a moment here where they're reunited, and Fox turns to Ash and says, Ash, that was pure wild animal craziness. You're an athlete. And... Ash is just like, yeah, yeah. he like is, mm-hmm. and it's very matter of factly. Like, there's no like questioning. He's like, yeah, I am. Yeah, which is awesome. And like his confidence is so up right now, and like you can really tell he's in this and like enjoying himself and like feeling good. And he's not having those like doubts that he was having earlier. And he's really like come a long way since the beginning of the movie. In that. Not only does he believe that he is, but he's received the affirmation from his father, which I think, and he's at a good, a better point with his cousin. And I, that's kind of the point I was going to make is he gets the validation from his father, 
but at a point where he no longer needs it, he's been able to validate himself, which is kind of the strong thing. Fox says, you're an athlete, and he just says, mm-hmm, like, yeah, I know, like, let's move on now. Yeah. It's But it's then cool. he gets an, like, eight-star bandit hat. Oh, yeah, so, uh... <laughs> So in part of, in be, in being crowned an athlete, Fox says, "Here, take this bandit hat," and gives him a bandit hat. And like has, a, it's like a black ski mask with stars. It has stars going like from the nose back. You actually lower because there's one below his mouth too, or where his maw is. I realize that's the word for Fox. Is that mouth, a real word? Maw. M a w. Yeah, and they just line like the center. They basically bifurcate the the center of the face all the way down the head like, around the head and down the back side, and there's, like, eight stars on it. And it's kind of funny. It's, like, one of those, like, five-star general kind of things where you, like, can tell they're an important person because they've got lots of stars, but it's a bandit mask or it, bandit hat. It's one of the iconic pieces of imagery from the film, Ash with the bandit hat on with the stars, kind of in association with him with the bandit hat on with the, the sock. You can kind of turn it either way. Yeah. I think I do like the sock better because... It has that identity. It's identif- more personal. Yeah, it's that despite not being validated, he still is courageous and does his own thing and, like, finds the means to the ends himself. Yeah. But, I mean, the eight star is pretty iconic and, yeah. like, really cool looking. So then they go driving off in the motorcycle. This is a sound effects podcast now. Oh, God. I have no sound effects to contribute. Is that a bird? Caw, caw. <laughs> as i said i have no sound effects that was really funny (laughs) i didn't know if you were gonna do a sound effect or not so they they start riding the motorcycle through the complex and everyone's shooting at them they're like going through the middle of this open complex and it's like what are you doing you trying to get yourselves killed although based on the previous minute where ash was standing still there's a high probability they're not going to get shot at. Uh, Chris picks up Fox's tail. Oh, is it Chris now? Yeah, I, I call him Chris when I write it down. His name is Christofferson. He's never given you permission to call him Chris? I, I'll call him Topher. No, <laughs> that's worse. Because <laughs> it's not even in there. It's Toffer. Stoffer? Stoffer? Stofers. <laughs> we're, not, we're not publicized. We're not promoting Stofer's food. I am. I get paid by Stouffer's. I just what? don't share any of the money with you. What? I pay for this. I get a lot of ad revenue from this show. I don't know if you know. I've just been embezzling it all. Why am I horribly in debt? Um, <laughs> so this, I mean, this is one of my favorite things in the movie now is we get them. Oh, okay. Chris Robinson picks up the, the remains of Fox's tail and ties it onto the radio antenna like a little flag it's so precious but then we get one of my favorite things in the whole movie uh we the motorcycle's riding up and ash is like are you really gonna do it and everyone's like whoa what's going on and then um fox fox takes the motorcycle and they go up a stunt ramp (laughs) it's very like what's his name Evil Knievel? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, like, yeah, exactly. Like an Evil Knievel style stunt ramp. It's like huge ramp with like a... a it says a Expo or something a, on the ramp. It says Stunt Expo 4. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, with a hoop, like a, a hoop with a piece of paper in it so that when you go through the hoop, the paper breaks and then like... Yeah, it's very snazzy and, looking. It, doesn't that happen in like Ocean's... The newer version of Ocean's 11? Ocean's 8? No. 
Uh, just, like, but, yeah, like with so Ro- Ocean's Eleven with like George Clooney. With George Clooney, did you almost say roadie yeah. in order to suggest Don Cheadle? Yeah, I don't know. His name. Don Cheadle is in this, but and he and he plays roadie in the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe. Yeah, but he's the sunk guy in that, and he does like the. I've only seen Ocean's Eleven. I haven't seen Ocean's Eleven in a while. He has like a stunt ramp scene that's a, a diversion, or is that Ocean's Twelve? I don't remember Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven having any stunt things. I don't know. But yeah, so they go up this huge stunt ramp, and it's like, whoa, like, what? first of all, like, where did the stunt ramp come from? Like, obviously, we're in this kind of um, surreal moment where there there clearly isn't a stunt ramp in real life. Yeah. Are we meant to assume that there's, like, some something... boxes. Some and... boxes that were arranged in a ramp? Are we kind of just meant to forget the whole thing that it's supposed to just kind of be a funny throwaway moment? What's the the... Disbelief. I can't think of what it's called. Suspension of disbelief. Yeah, like there's a complete suspension of disbelief here. And I think, yeah, no, I think it is one of these things you're so caught up in the moment that, of course, there's a stunt ramp that says Stunt Expo 4 on it. Like, that just heightens it to this, like, fantastic level. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that it's kind of like seeing the world as Fox sees it, where everything's like a major accomplishment. Yeah. And Fox while he's riding up this, or as they're going through the center of the complex and as they start to go up the ramp, he shouts in a very long, elongated sentence, holy swear and cuss. That's Kylie that says that. No, is that, I think, I thought it was. It's Kylie that says holy swear and cuss. I thought it was Mr. Fox. No, it's not. It's Kylie. We'll, we'll roll the tapes afterwards. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it's Kylie. I I have all because Mr. Fox is the one moving his mouth. I have looked at GIF after GIF after GIF of this because this... well, they're all screaming. Yeah, but no, I think but his the, one... the voice that's saying it is Kylie's voice. But so yeah, they they're going up the ramp and they say "Holy swear and cuss," so that's something to add to the cuss count. Yeah, so that would be thirty-two. Thirty-two, and then I submit that swearing should count as a cuss. For it's this... not literally the word cuss, but it is functioning in the same role as where it's like. Saying the word swearing instead of saying an actual swear is the equivalent of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we just pulled up the tape, and apparently it's Fox. I still kind of think it sounds like Kylie. It's definitely but Fox. But the subtitles say it's Fox. It's so... also, you, like, see when he's like, cuss, you can see Fox's I, mouth yeah, move in that pattern. I agree. I just, it, sound, it sounds weirdly not like George Clooney in that moment, which I think is what's throwing me off. Yeah. But... It is. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Do you, wait, which one do you think it is? Do you think it's a bunch of, like, boxes that are stacked? No. You... I think it's a Evil Knievel ramp. Okay. So, uh, I'm with you there. I think it's purely, like, Wes Anderson just being, like, don't even, like, try to, like, explain this. Like, this is purely a fit of fancy. This, like, if you're trying to, like, criticize the movie for being unrealistic, don't even bother. Like, they have they're, they're going up a stunt ramp. and... Pagers and finely tailored suits. It doesn't like it doesn't matter the way they get out. Like if if they had just gone out the the, the door, the, the gate yeah. that they had come in, like it wouldn't have, like it wouldn't have been as exciting. Like just having the stunt ramp is there is like what makes it fun. And it takes it. Yeah, this is at a heart. It's a kids movie. Let's add a kid element to it because there's a lot of it that's like kid, but also like just kind of middle ground. Could be anyone. But this really is one of those like this is a kid moment, and it, but it's weirdly understated. It's not like yeah, they're like whoa stunt ramp, and I can't believe we did that stunt ramp. Yeah, it's like 
It's like, it just kind of happens, and then it's over. Yeah. And I think that's the success of this movie, not necessarily being considered a kid's movie all the time, other than, like, it's rating, because it is a Wes Anderson, and it is layered in so many complex ways that it's not a face-value kid's movie the way, like, Despicable Me is. But, yeah, but having... Having real themes in a movie is, like, what makes kids' movies so valuable is that, like, when Pixar releases a movie with these complex emotions and relationships, that me- that oftentimes means more than just a, a, a much simpler, like, good versus evil plot or princess and prince plot. Yeah. We, wa- we watched um, Up the other day, and I, like, forgot how much that movie is, like, perfect and how impactful it is, and how every scene kind of builds on it, and it's just, it's so good. Yeah. Okay, uh, one last thing, as we kind of end the the minute, um, so they're, they go up the ramp, we get a big wide shot, and it's kind of fun to see the, like, the arc of their travel up off the ramp, and then they land back on the ground, and we kind of get the shot of them riding off into the proverbial sunset, and during this moment, uh, we kind of get the the fade out of the Bogus Buns and Bean song, which has changed from the chorus singing Bogus Buns and Bean the words to them just saying la. So mm-hmm. la 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 la. And I, I don't know, I really like that. Whenever I part of that song for me is the la's and not necessarily the chorus too. And it cuts out right as they ride off. The last beat of it is like the cut of the film. I think the music really indicates the level of tension and um, like the excitement. And there's so much going on and it's so intense that they can't even form words anymore. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it also, if I'm if I'm thinking correctly, I think it shifts up a yes, it shifts yeah, up a it does go key. yeah. There's a key change in there yeah. too. Uh, half, just a half step. Yeah, it's not a lot, but it which is, is something noticeable. you do in music to like raise attention. Yeah, and the fact that it ends once they get out is that cue that the music throughout this movie does, like to show that there's a change in scene or yeah, uh, we've gotten through an emotional movement. And music being utilized in this movie is like one of its strengths. It does such a good like Desplat does such a good job in indicating what we the viewer need to know subconsciously yeah cool let's wrap it up there because we're running not long but running on a dream running on a dream yeah <laughs> we're, we're that's a uh, title ah chef's kiss okay uh we're running on a dream <laughs> you've been listening to fantastic minute this has been minute 74 catch us next time for minute 75 when i mean the movie's over now right no oh it's not no there's more things yeah there's like a lot more things. There's, there's like, a lot more things. Like, we're going to record 13 more episodes of this. And we, that was the climax of the movie on the stunt ramp right there. Yeah. So, uh, like, the we, action climax. Yeah, we have to wrap up some emotional points. Yeah. And um, find a new place to live. Yep. And just maybe find a new family. Yeah. So if you want to join us for that ad- adventure... Where we realized the real adventure was the family we made along the way. Oh, no! Join us next time. But you, until then, you can follow us on the social meds, at Amateur Nerds on Twitter, at Tyler Booty, T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y. I like how you imply that we have more than one social media when I'm only on Twitter. Yeah, we're on the social meds. Yeah, but not plural. Yeah, but social media is already plural. Yeah. Where can they find us on... Rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcatcher you're listening to. You can email us with your thoughts about maybe the next movie we will cover. 
Uh, at Amateur Nerds Present. <laughs> We're going to be covering the Twilight Zone movie. <laughs> Yo! Um, at Amateur Nerds Present at gmail.com. And we hope you join us next time for Minute 75. I've been Tyler Boudreaux. I've been Condra. And we hope you have a fantabulous day. Fan?